Good afternoon, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson, welcoming you to the July 28th edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. Today's show, as always, is brought to you by the Security Federal Bank. Security Federal is our local community development financial institution, which means that they are designed to serve uh, those who may not be as familiar with the banking world and feel like maybe banks don't offer anything for them. Uh, if that is you, please visit our friends at Security Federal. They have 17 locations between Augusta, Georgia and Columbia, South Carolina, and they are eager to serve you. One of the best ways to support local matters is to support Security Federal. Today, our show is part three of our three-part series on our local hometown state university, and that is Augusta University. Uh, we have done shows on the dental school. Uh, we've done a show on the cyber uh, sciences and computer science school. Uh, and today we're going to look at the university at large. Uh, but before we get to that, I want to talk to you about a very exciting event that is happening in our community. Uh, it is a mayor's town hall. Uh, that is being coordinated by someone who has been a guest on Local Matters, and that is Ms. Tracy George. She is the Augusta Area Coordinator for the People's Agenda. And on Saturday, July 31st, they're going to have a Mayor's Town Hall. Uh, it takes place at 2 p.m., at the Good Shepherd Baptist Church over there in the music room. Uh, and they are asking everyone to RSVP before they attend. To RSVP and to get additional details, please go to this link. It is ttsu.me. That is ttsu.me slash Mayor's Town Hall. And there you can get additional details and you can sign up to make sure that you are on the list. Uh, the event will be recorded. So if you um, want to come, please try to get there before 1.30. Uh, and yours truly, the host of Local Matters, will facilitate that discussion with former mayors, uh, Larry Sconyers, Bob Young, and Deke Copenhaver. Also want to give you a preview of some of our upcoming shows. Uh, after this show, believe it or not, this is the last show in July, uh, we'll go into the August programming. Uh, first show in August on August 4th is attorney Willie Saunders. He is a Columbia County attorney that brought uh, litigation uh, in relationship to the formation of the Columbia County Judicial Circuit. Uh, we do know now that the courts have approved that, but we still want to talk to him about uh, why it was so important uh, to him to, uh, to do that, to pursue that, to put forth his time and energy to, to pursue that litigation. Uh, we're also going to have Dr. Charles Bullock, who is a professor at the University of Georgia and a renowned expert on the topic of redistricting. Um, that is upon us now, and we want to talk about how that impacts us uh, in our community and in the state of Georgia. 
And uh, we're also going to bring on Herbert Judon. He is the executive director of the Augusta Regional Airport. Uh, as you know, the airport uh, has uh, expanded. Um, it has uh, also, of course, suffered the impacts of the pandemic. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, their progress in um, making sure that our airport is not just a place for uh, leisure travel, but also an appropriate place for um, business travel and for economic development, to promote economic development in our region. So uh, Herbert will be with us uh, also in August and we'll see how they're doing in light of the pandemic. I know a lot of folks were reluctant, yourself included, yours truly included, reluctant to get on a plane during the pandemic, but now it seems like everybody is flying. So uh, we'll talk about that with Mr. Judon. As you all know, I have embarked on a three-part series on Augusta University. And someone has asked, why are you doing three parts on Augusta University, three episodes on AU? And the reason is your tax dollars are paying for those things that you see at Augusta University. Uh, and also because Augusta University really is a key institution and in growing uh, here in our community. Uh, I am so pleased to have uh, today's guest. He is Dr. Neil McKinnon, and he is provost at AU. Uh, and as always, when we get started with our guests, we ask them to explain what they do all day, as well as tell us a little bit about their uh, academic and professional backgrounds. How you doing today, Neil? Hey, not, not too bad. Thanks for having me on your podcast, Janice. Yeah, really appreciate it. But uh, yeah, yeah. so as, as you said, I'm the provost, and I don't know, maybe you have a cash award for whoever can guess what a provost uh, does. A lot of people, even within the university world, uh, really don't understand uh, the, the role of provost. But in short, the provost really is the chief academic officer of the university, the chief academic officer. So I really represent the students and, and faculty when we're at the president's cabinet making decisions. Um, the way it's structured at Augusta University, um, we have 10 colleges and schools, all their deans uh, report to me. So I believe we've had, you know, Dean Schwartzman and Dean LeFay previously on, on your podcast, so they both report to me. I also oversee um, other areas like research, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, strategic planning. So uh, a budget of uh, $663 million, so a small, small budget. And uh, but uh, really, the, the role is vital just to ensure that we're keeping students first, really, in everything that we do. All right, great. That's a great description. And tell me, how does one prepare to become a provost? Yeah, you know, it's funny because there's no, I would say, perfect linear career path. So if you were, if we have an 18 or 17 year old listening in on your podcast, that you know, I want to be, I want to be a, a, a provost someday. Uh, but having said that, most provosts. Uh, typically come through the ranks in academia. So I started as an assistant professor, progressed to associate full professor, department chair, uh, and, and a dean before this. So, so typically that is how it goes, kind of uh, with uh, increasing administrative experience. I think coming as a faculty member, um, that's important to have the support of the faculty because they realize that, you know, at, at my heart, I, I'm an educator, I'm a professor. And, uh, you know, Janice, was important to me, I started in January but I wanted to set the tone early. So I actually gave seven uh, lectures in seven different classes my first semester here. 
I'm in the process of getting my research up and running. I've been doing research on kind of health policy issues related to uh, the opioid crisis and other things. And so really, I want to serve as a role model to my faculty, continue to teach in the classroom and continue to do research as well. Cool, cool. That seems like a really cool job. And now tell me when you were teaching, when you were a professor, what area were you in? Yeah, my background is, is pharmacy, which is kind of interesting because AU doesn't have a pharmacy school. But as you know, it is the state's only designated public academic health center. So back in the day, I've worked both in you know small community pharmacy and hospital pharmacy. Uh, it's been years since I've worked uh, in, in a pharmacy, but uh, most recently, I, I was dean of the pharmacy school at the University of Cincinnati. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, thanks for that background. Um, I do have younger listeners and um, for their benefit, as well as some of the older ones, because again, you know, there's so much about running a major academic institution like AU that people don't know or understand. It kind of helps right. paint a good picture for them uh, to know who's uh, serving us in our community. Um, one of the reasons that I decided to do this, this three-part series on Augusta University is because uh, I heard an announcement from uh, Dr. Keel uh, that he wanted to almost double the enrollment yeah, at right. AU. Right. So tell me where you are now and where you hope to be in a few years in terms of enrollment. Yeah. You're exactly right. President Keel, this predates me, Janice, you know, he, he set uh, kind of a goal of uh, 16,000 students by by 2030. And I have to admit, you know, it's only nine years away. So it's a little bit of a scary goal uh, as well in that, you know, that the clock is ticking. But I, I think it is doable. And, and to be honest, uh, Augusta University's had significant success with growth in, in recent years. As you know, for those of you uh, listeners that are, are have been part of the Augusta community, you know, there was kind of a, a painful period of consolidation kind of two universities that merged together. Uh, following that, there was a slight decrease in enrollment for, for two or three years, but kind of reached a low point in 2015 with uh, just over 8,000 students combined at the entire university. Um, since then, we've grown uh, each and every year, an average of 2.8%. Uh, um, so as of last fall, we were about 9,500 students. And so this fall, we're, we're projecting another record, uh, getting closer to, to 10,000 students. So. So President Keel has kind of said that we want to grow from, you know, where we were about 8,000 students to, to 16,000 students. We're on our way, but it's really the, the provost uh, who has kind of the, the leading role in kind of making that happen. And so we're, we're doing a number of things, uh, even the six months since I've arrived, Janice, to, to try to turn that into reality. Uh, I've encouraged my deans to dream big and think about new degrees, new programs we're not offering now that would be, you know, enticing to potential students, would be important for local workforce development. Um, we're also uh, in the process of um, expanding our online offerings. You know, one thing that uh, we, we all kind of came out of COVID with is some online learning. So it doesn't matter if you're a high school student, a college student, or a professor, you've done some uh, online learning or teaching. And so we're uh, getting ready to invest significantly uh, in that area as well. And so um, the, the goal certainly would become up, uh, we should have up by the end of this year, a very precise plan that will get us to 16,000 students by 2030. And, and just, I, I should add as well, you know, we're not growing just for the sake of growth. Uh, and, and so we have no plans to become uh, a UGA or, a, or Georgia Tech or Georgia Southern or, or Georgia State, you know, with 25, 30, 40, 50,000 students. Um, but the, the goal though, is to have more influence and impact, uh, especially I think on our community here in Augusta, where, you know, again, there are workforce needs we're, we view ourselves as a key player uh, in that. 
Okay. All right. And as you talk about that 16,000, that would include all of your campuses. Um, are, are you seeing a balance there where it's roughly half graduate and professional and half undergrad? Or have you all even thought about what that mix would look like? Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting that there is a good point, Jens, where, you know, we do have kind of a, a balance now. We are one of four um, designated um, research intensive universities in the University System of Georgia. There's 26 universities, it's a huge system. We're one of only four. So that means that we do have a lot of master's and PhD students that are doing research. Of course, we have a lot of our professional degrees, our graduate degrees. You think of physicians as an MD, dentist, uh, and, and others. Uh, other health professionals as well that have graduate degrees. So it is a mix right now, approximately, you know, about 5,200 of our students are undergraduate and about uh, 4,000 are, are professional or graduate students. Um, so probably that ratio will be fairly consistent, but we're, we want to grow both. We want to have more undergraduate students at AU and more graduate students as well. You know, that's uh, interesting to me. I asked the question because I got my graduate degree at Duke University. Yeah, and yeah. Duke is one of the schools where the number of graduate and professional is probably greater than the number of undergraduates. And that right, doesn't happen right. too often, but one of the it does not, right? Says, hey, you may be headed in the same path. I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's similar to, to Duke. I mean, uh, you know, we have, a, of course, a medical school and we're, we're research intensive. And anytime you have kind of those two elements, you have a lot of uh, graduate and professional students. So. Uh, so yes, you know you know that well coming from from a great institution at Duke University. Right, um, and as you think about this path that AU has taken from sleepy commuter commuter school to now research institution, um, are there other uh, schools that have taken a similar path to what you all are now? Yeah, I would say you know it's it's not super common in that you know most universities kind of in their DNA you know they maybe grew up as a residential college, you know, where, where most uh, students live in dorms, even you think even like UGA, they require all freshmen to live in, in dorms, right? So uh, you, you have that, of course, you have others that are commuter schools, but uh, in the state of Georgia, you know, Kennesaw State really comes to mind, where they've had a transformation over the past uh, 10, 15 years going from a uh, commuter school, and certainly they still do have commuters in the greater Atlanta area, but at the same time, they've invested a lot in uh, dorms and creating that residential experience. So I think for us, it'll always be a, a blend. You'll have some folks that, you know, um, like the flexibility of, of, of being, you know, commuting in and out. You have certain adult learners that, you know, that they're not your typical, you know, 19 or 20 year olds that are gonna live in dorms. But at the same time, we have a, uh, you know, we built our first two dorms in the last five years. We would like to build our third as well because the demand is high. So I think we're, we're gonna continue to expand our residential offerings. Um, we, in our five-year plan, we actually have a brand new building that we'd like to build called Student Engagement Center on the corner of uh, Lady Walker and 15th, and that will have um, expanded dining and other student services as well, primarily for those students that are, you know, living on campus. Okay, all right. And um, uh, you mentioned under your responsibilities, it includes diversity and inclusion. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, within the last year or two, um, probably closer to two, AU hired somebody who does have that specific role. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, her name is Dr. Tiffany Townsend. Exactly. She's our, our chief diversity officer, so she does report uh, to me in her office. She's fantastic. 
uh, you know, has a, has a PhD, continues to teach and do research uh, like I do. And, and she's really there to help us uh, strengthen that. And I guess, you know, if I kind of put that in different buckets, part of it would be, you know, increasing the diversity of our student body and our, our faculty. If you look at our students, we've, we've had success. Um, I think there's still room for growth. Uh, if I go back to consolidation, uh, around 44% of our students were, were not white. So that certainly the largest bucket within that would be African-American. That's increased up to 47%. So we haven't increased, but still, I think some room to grow. The, the area that I, I think we definitely need to do more work is diversity of, of the faculty. And um, my uh, second month I was here, actually, I charged Dr. Uh, Townsend, as well as our associate provost for faculty affairs, Dr. Kathy Browder, to, um, to propose a, um, a plan to increase the diversity of our faculty. Uh, they presented that to me in May. And um, some, some good news, maybe a scoop for your, your viewers here. The president actually just uh, approved that about three weeks ago. So that's going to be your, uh, that's going to be formally launched uh, this, this fall. Okay. Let me make sure I got this. You said 47% of your students are non-white? That's right. Is that exactly. for the entire university or just the undergraduate population? That's, that's for the entire university. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, and that's a number that I would not have guessed. Um, but but that, that that's that's great, actually. 47%. Yeah. It, it is kind of interesting. The, the biggest, actually, the one area that might surprise you as well is the difference between male and female. So 64% uh, of our students are female, 36% uh, male. That also has increased. It was 61% uh, female consolidation. So that also has increased. Uh, but three percentage points. Yeah, I, and as you say that, that kind of doesn't surprise me because I think most of the schools are going that way. Uh, when I talked to Dr. Lefebvre, she said, you know, roughly half of the dental students now are female, which, you know, seems absolutely astounding to, to me <laughs> because, you know, back in the day, you just always thought the dentist was going to be a man, you know? That's, that's right. And of course, you know, we have, uh, you know, a large nursing school. So we have, uh, you know, my wife's an occupational therapist by training. Most mm -hmm. OTs are female. So I think certainly in the health professions, uh, even my, my own background, pharmacy is majority female uh, these days as well. So, so that, uh, but, but that, uh, you know, that, that ratio has increased since, um, since we went to consolidation. And, and of course you hit on one of the most important things you talked about diversity reflected on the faculty and the administration as well as among students, because that is something that, that we look at. Um, I have heard, you know, people who worked on campus say, quite frankly, you know, it's shocking that there aren't more uh, people of color in the administration. So, I mean, that's great. And it's great for our community to know that that is a goal of Augusta University is to improve the level of diversity among faculty and staff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, it definitely is an important, um, it, it's an important value to the university. Um, you know, I think we, we do have some good role models. Uh, you, you know, I'm not sure if you, if you know Yvonne Turner. She's African-American lady who's our chief financial officer for the entire university. She is just a fantastic uh, colleague, as uh, we previously spoke about, Dr. Tiffany Townsend, our chief diversity officer. But you're exactly right. We need to do more. You know, it's interesting, um, Janice, my first th three months in particular, I was here. Um, I, I did a lot of um, listening sessions. I toured all 10 colleges and schools. Um, did a lot of focus groups with uh, with students, and uh, you know, kind of hit me. One, one student, she just graduated in May, uh, an undergraduate student, said, you know, her four years at AU, she didn't have a single professor of her uh, race who taught her in the classroom. 
you know, when you hear something like that, I think that's where it really strikes you that we need to do, you know, a much better job at that. All right. And if we shift gears a little bit to talk about uh, the number of employees going from, you know, diversity among your faculty and staff to the number of employees, but how many people are employed by AU? Yeah, it's a, you know, it's, I think uh, you kind of alluded to where, you know, but back in the day, it might have kind of been a small, private, you know, little, little place, but it has grown. You know, as I mentioned, we're approaching 10,000 students. With faculty, this is combined, so this is, you know, all the campuses together, it's about 1,700 faculty, and then staff is another uh, 4,100. So, you know, if you do the quick math, there's about 5,800, so close to um, 6,000 students. It's interesting, just... Um, 6,000 uh, 6, employees, in, you mean? Sorry, yes, yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, so 6,000, um, you add the faculty and staff together. Uh, it was interesting, just in here in, in late July, the University System of Georgia has released a new study um, that looked at the total economic impact of Augusta University, and it was pegged at 2.7 billion, 2.7 billion. With the uh, B. Responsible for 21. With a B. With a B, exactly. Yeah, That's yeah. pretty big. We, um, responsible for, for 21, or, 21,000 jobs. So, you know, those those jobs I just spoke about, plus the health system and plus other indirect jobs, you know, contractors and other things that, that kind of, so it definitely, it's a huge, you know, it's, I think it's a, it's a blessing for Augusta uh, as a community to have a growing research intensive university. And, uh, you know, part of it, I think is, is also the economic impact as well. Okay. All right. So AU educates folks in our community AU employs people in the community. They serve as an economic engine and really trying to grow as well. Um, as you think about being here, and you've been here now for how long did you say? Uh, just six months. I started in uh, mid, mid January. So you're still a newbie. Still yeah, a newbie. Yeah, right. I don't know how long it takes to, to, to lose that title, but yeah, I still, I, I, there's certainly times I feel like I'm, I'm a newbie still, definitely. Okay. All right. So you come here, uh, you look around. Um, is there anything or what is it? I'm sure it's many things actually, but what is it that makes you really proud to be employed at Augusta University? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, in life, we all kind of have a different calling, right? And, and Janice, you've done a lot with, with state governments and uh, local governments already kind of helping with that. So you have a skill set in that area and help people you know, for, for those of us in higher education, and more specifically, public higher education, and more specifically, yet again, public higher education that's a research-intensive university, you know, I, I think that's a special calling uh, as well. Uh, as I mentioned, in the state of Georgia, there's only uh, three others. We're one of four public research universities in the entire state, and we're the only one that's a designated um, health sciences center. So we're, we're, we're quite unique. We're different, and actually, our new marketing campaigns using a tagline, like no other, like no other. And I think if you think of AU, you know, we really are like no other. It's hard even to think uh, of another university across the country that's exactly with us. I'm originally from, from Canada. Some of your listeners would tell from my accent. You know, there's not even a Canadian university that, that's exactly like AU. And so for us, it's, it is a distinctness. Um, we have a special calling and I'm really proud of that. The fact that we really can provide something unique. Um, you're not going to find other universities with us. And the, the other thing I'll, I'll add as well, we kind of have the best of both worlds. And what I mean by that 
certainly we have the special distinctiveness in, in health sciences, but at the same time, we're also a comprehensive university. So as you know, we have, you know, College of Education, College of Business, we have Pamplin College of, you know, Arts, Humanities, and Social Sciences, um, you know, a lot of different areas other than just health, and of course, an emerging uh, expertise in, in cyber, as you just heard from, from Dean Schwarzman recently. So you put it together, it's, um, I, I think I'm, I'm, no, I, I know I am, I'm very proud to be part of that community that offers something special, distinct, and at the same time also contributes um, to the local uh, economy and community here as well. All right, great, great. And I had not thought about Augusta University as being that unique. I used to, I spent some time in Virginia because I did my undergrad. Yeah, yeah. Um, I work in Virginia. I worked there for a couple of years. And it sort of reminds me of VCU, uh, Virginia Commonwealth University from the standpoint. downtown. They've got a medical college you know, yeah. in a similar sort of way. Um, VCU has always been much larger uh, and a much more urban sort of campus. But actually, AU was getting there with the downtown. Now you've got <laughs> essentially downtown. No, you're, you're, it's funny you mentioned VCU because that's one that comes to mind that's almost, you know, mm -hmm. if you, you know, it's not exactly the same. Obviously, it's in a much larger city, you know, Richmond as well. It's more of an urban feel. Mm -hmm. But you're right, there's still some elements that would be similar to, to VCU for sure. But, but yeah, if you look across the country, I, you know, maybe one of your listeners can, uh, can put a comment after they listen to this podcast if there's something that I think should think of as a comparative university, but we really view ourselves as, uh, as quite uh, unique and special. We're, we're certainly like no other. Like no other. So as we prepare to close out, uh, is there anything else you want to share uh, with our listeners about um, the jewel that we have in town that is Augusta University? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I think, you know, it, it's interesting. And, you know, if I'm being kind of open, you know, with you, uh, Janice, you know, I probably about a year ago that, you know, I, I kind of um, was approached with this opportunity, of course, interviewed last, last fall. And when I was first approached by it, you know, and, I, and I've worked in, um, I've lived in Florida, I've lived in Wisconsin, I've worked in Arizona and Ohio, of course, Canada. I had never heard of Augusta University before. And recently um, so I heard the medical call to Georgia. But um, I, I think part of that is, uh, and I don't, don't mean to offend or disrespect anyone by saying that, but I think it's, it's really a byproduct of this, you know, consolidation of name changes. Of course, some of your viewers be very well versed in. So I think if there's one thing that we're trying to do a better job is that is to share with the world, so share locally, you know, um, the South and, and beyond the good things that are happening here. There's a lot to be proud of. And, and certainly one of my primary goals as provost is, you know, I, I want to continue to elevate the profile of the university such that everyone in CRSA is proud to have uh, Augusta University as their hometown university. You know, there's a lot of special things going on on, on here um, that we certainly are trying to do a better job of getting the word out. And just as an example, for the first time ever in our history of our university, um, this summer we had electronic billboards in Atlanta, in Savannah, uh, in Columbia, uh, even up in Greenville. And so part of that is just getting the word out that, hey, we're here, we exist, we're like no other but we're certainly doing some, some really cool things as well. Okay, all right, very good. Well, we are very pleased to have uh, AU as our hometown university and happy to have you uh, in our community yeah. uh, serving 
uh, your, your students and faculty. Thank you so much for joining me. It's nice to meet, meet your acquaintance, make your acquaintance. Well, yeah, well, well thank you, Jansen. Just want to appreciate your, you know, your interest in the university. And uh, hey, um, let's make sure I come back before 2030 and I can give you an update on how we're doing right. with our, with our whether world. we hit that 16,000. <laughs> Exactly. You can hold me accountable to that. So. <laughs> All right. Take care. All right. Thanks so much. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge demonstrating love for your local community and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net because local matters.